0: The very first words in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, are in the beginning. The very first words in the uh, Gospel of John are in the beginning. And in both of these, uh, the word becomes a very important word in those scriptures. Because God just spoke words and things were created. Let there be light. Let there be water. Let there be animals, let there be man and woman, and miraculously, amazingly, evolutionarily, if that's a word, because it didn't happen, I don't think, exactly like those scriptures say. They're trying to capture the mystery and the wonder of the creation of all the universe. I was just watching the news this morning, and I saw that they have developed yet another telescope, six times bigger than anything that they have now and there are these um, plates I don't know of some kind of material six deep that are as big as a tennis court I think it said or a basketball court and it's huge and it's, it's keeping one side warm and the other side cold it's just mysteriously wonderful but they expect to go deeper and deeper yet into the universe where they say there are already millions of galaxies and we're in A big one, the Milky Way, and and yet um, we're this is minuscule compared to the whole universe. And they say the big belief is that it all came out of the Big Bang, the Big Bang theory, that the creation was not um, God just spoke a word and poof there it was. No, He spoke a word of creation that was so enormous that this this power, this energy, just shot out in every direction. The Big Bang, it's still going. As I understand, it's still creating. And yet, in that creation, there was an evolutionary life going on. So that millions of years later, millions of years later, um, we start to get what looks like this planet. It's amazing. It's amazing. So we celebrate that word. But then we go to John and we celebrate a different word. And we say the, the Word, this time with a capital W, the Word was with God and, or because, the Word was God. God spoke the Word, and that Word became human and entered humanity. And some of the other scriptures, it's just so uh, rich, talking about God uh, laying aside his godliness Putting, putting that down so that he could enter fully into humanity and through his entrance into humanity, bring us back to life, bring us back to divine life, I think. I, I, uh, just two days ago, I was at the other side of the church looking, admiring what the altar society was doing in terms of decorating, and I looked up at what we decided to do a year, maybe two ago, was to move the cross here, um, there was a cross in the back, and I always said, I say it every year, that as beautiful as the statue is, I always said, oh, I missed the cross on the wall behind us. This is what I heard from people, some people who came here for the first time, and they were so grateful that that Jesus was on the wall because they said it was life. It, it was resurrection. It was the fullness of glory. They loved it, and I do too, but I, I just think that the cross is so important. So as I stood at the door, I looked and I said, oh my God, <clears throat> I know myself and a few others, I think, talked about this. And, and I uh, noticed it again because somebody has to climb up there and change the colors from green to purple to white and eventually back to green again and then to purple. And I'm looking and I said, you know, this is the this is only church I've ever been in that I could say this had this viewpoint. You look down. And you see the cross, Jesus on the cross, and Jesus risen. And you see that through that. So that it makes perfectly logical sense. You see that through that. But we have to see that through that, too. Because if only that happened, I don't think we'd have heard anything about it 2,000 years later if this had not happened. And if this had happened and that had not happened, Who would we be 2,000 years later? So somehow all of these things are drawn together, and they're rich and very powerful. But one could ask the question, why? And why in at least two ways. One, you know, there's only two of the four Gospels that talk about the birth of Jesus. It's not John, it's Matthew and Luke. They actually tell the stories of the birth. John skips it completely, and he's the last gospel. Why would he do that? But he paints a much bigger picture. This word become flesh. Nobody uses language like that. But Mark doesn't mention it at all. Not at all. That's a little strange. A little strange if you were writing the gospel story that you would leave out the birth. But I guess Mark wanted to get right to the point. It was all about this ministry. Secondly... There's only two stories that I'm aware of in the Gospels about a child Jesus after the birth. One is the circumcision, eight days later, and then the second one is Jesus lost in the temple when he's 12. Not one story other than those two for the first 30 years of Jesus' life. Interesting, at the very least, interesting. Why not? Why wouldn't that be noteworthy? I don't know why, but it seems to me that the real issue is that these are the two important points, how Jesus came into the world and how Jesus left the world, his birth and his death. Those are the two significant things, most significant things. Now, he began his ministry, and for three years, he did all that he did with healing people and raising from the dead and curing lepers, and the deaf were hearing, the blind were seeing. The mute were speaking. The paralyzed were walking and dancing. Extraordinary. And then they do this to him. Why? Well, it's become my favorite theme, and the opening prayer today speaks it. You heard it in Spanish, but here it is in English. This is what we prayed as we began this Mass. Oh, God, we're talking to the Father. Oh, God who wonderfully created the dignity of human nature, people, men and women, children, and still more wonderfully restored it, restored it through that cross. Grant, we pray that we may share in the divinity of Christ who humbled himself to share in our humanity. And in these few words, it's capturing the whole mystery of Christmas. The divine became human so that the human could become divine again. Because we lost the divinity. We did. For years, and even now, even redeemed as a people, as a church, as a world, uh, look around, look at the lack of humanity. I, I will say uh, about the only thing I can say about the world celebrating Christmas is that at least in theory, on this one day, wars will stop for 24 hours. That says something. But... <clears throat> The news is, is replete, just replete with ugliness and lack of humanity. But we hold a message, and it is so important for us to understand this and why we celebrate it with such care and with such joy. It's not so much this, although John gives us the powerful meaning of this, and the Word with the capital W, the Word that was with God and the Word that was God, the Word to in human flesh in this little baby Jesus and was born into this world born into our lives and right from here the light should shoot up to that cross because that's where we got our divinity back and I think it's not in the theological language that we use always and so flippantly Jesus saved us from our sin Jesus saved us from death <clears throat> yeah I, I, I agree but how? And I think the how is what's so important. After all the rejection and all of the suffering that he suffered on that cross and on his way to that cross for th- the, the, the few days before where he was arrested and insulted and, and stripped and beaten and spit on and, and, and criticized and, and made fun of and everything that he ever spoke was rejected. They made him carry the cross, they nailed him to it, lift him up, and the three hours of his dying, <clears throat> unless he went into some kind of physical shock that he couldn't feel, but I don't think so. Sweating blood, I mean just atrocious. Not to mention all of the emotional and spiritual and social rejection that he suffered, add that. And for this moment, I, I think it's the most divine moment of Jesus' 33 years on this planet, <clears throat> the word that the word spoke, Father, forgive them all. They know not what they do. How? How on earth could somebody love and forgive when they were the butt of all of that? That's divine. I, I, I say it's God's divine love just bursting. It's a, a, another big bang but a spiritual big bang, And it's all contained in that person of Jesus. So that's why we celebrate. And all the things that we do, the trees, the gifts, the lights, all the music, all the, all the family stuff today, everything, it's because of this. It's because of this. And we must, we must get it. Because when we get it, it's here. It's been born into us. I like to say we become the kuna we become that little crib. And Jesus Christ is here. I just have to say a couple words. Espero que con mis <muchas> movimientos <muchas> y todo pueda entender que estoy diciendo, pero básicamente estoy diciendo eso. Estos dos eventos son unidos. Es como matrimonio del nacimiento y la muerte de Jesús. Y la palabra o verbo de Dios entró al mundo en Jesús. Dios entró humanidad que... Porque en la cruz humanidad estaba salvado y estábamos divinos otra vez. divino cómo? Porque Jesús, como dice en la primera lectura, oración de la misa, humanidad regresó a nosotros en la muerte de Jesús porque en este momento del más sufriendo y más rechazo y todo, Él amó, Él amó, Él perdonó. Híjole, ¿cómo puede en este tipo de sufriendo? Pero Él amó y perdonó porque yo creo. El Espíritu divino, el Espíritu divino estaba en Él. Y Él expresó francamente y sencillamente en la palabra de perdón y amor. Entonces, estamos aquí, yo creo, a recibir esta divinidad. Celebrar esta divinidad entre nosotros y celebrar la divinidad que entra en nosotros en nuestra fe en Jesucristo. Porque cuando entra aquí y vive aquí, podemos ponerlo en el mundo, puede estar nacido Cristo adentro en nosotros y afuera de nosotros cuando estamos expresando, diciendo y viviendo la palabra de Dios.